encourage you, invite you to open your Bible with me tonight to Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14. We're looking at uh, really one verse there, verse 8. Tonight our sermon is a little different than, than normal. Usually we just preach uh, exegetical expository sermons going through a book of the Bible. We've been in the mornings going through Galatians. But every once in a while I like to preach a topical sermon on a specific issue, a specific topic. And uh, tonight I thought with professions of faith, uh, it would be appropriate to talk about what it means to belong to Jesus and to use the Heidelberg Catechism as a, as a help and a guide in, in that. And so um, we'll be doing that tonight, looking at just the wonder of what it means to belong to Jesus and the comfort that that brings. And so the title of my message is Certain Comfort for Uncertain Times. Um, let's uh, turn then to Romans 14, and I'm going to begin reading at verse 1 and through verse 9. Let's give our attention to God's Word. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. A relevant word for our, our day. Uh, one person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despises the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls. And he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. Is that a good word? God is able to make us stand? Praise God, that's true. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day, observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God. While the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord, both of the dead and of the living. Let's ask the Lord to bless his word to us tonight. Oh God, our Father, thank you for this incredible truth that whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. I pray that tonight your spirit would communicate that truth to our hearts and minds and we would find it to be inestimably precious and a, and, and, a, and a deep comfort knowing that we belong to Jesus. So Lord, by your spirit, help us to hear your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I don't need to tell you that uh, 2020 is probably um, not quite the way you expected it to be. Um, bad, this past January, there were uh, things that seemed very certain. Uh, the economy was doing really well. Stock market was, was doing well. Unemployment was extremely low. Uh, President Trump seemed to be well on his way to uh, renomination and if, if uh, re-election. If those are the sorts of things that uh, bring comfort to your heart, well, then you were probably a pretty happy person back in January and probably quite optimistic about uh, the year 2020. But then uh, something happened. Um, a worldwide pandemic and uh, rioting and looting and unrest in, uh, in the country, uh, a struggling economy, unemployment um, like we wouldn't have imagined, uh, the upcoming election seeming to lean um, now towards um, uh, to Biden, and uh, uncertainty uh, is everywhere. You can cut it with a knife. Um, there's just a sense that we don't know what's going to happen. 
And so there's a lot of uncertainty. We just realize a lot can happen, a lot can change, and, and very quickly. And, and what we've seen happen this year maybe is just a sign of things to come. Um, that we sense here we have no lasting city. Uh, things crumble and fall apart in, in this world. And, uh, and, and uh, in our lives, we're going to experience those, those things, diagnoses we didn't want, and disasters and tragedies we hoped would not happen to us, uh, but they did. And so in the, the real world in which you and I live, uh, the question that we want to ask is, uh, where do you find comfort uh, in uncertain times? Where do, where, where do we find comfort in, in this uncertain world? Well, um, we have this wonderful little gem of a verse in Romans chapter 14, uh, verse 8, uh, it's, it's placed in the context of a conversation about the church and, and the church where people are disagreeing with each other over uh, eating meat sacrificed to idols, observing uh, Jewish uh, holy days. And in that context, Paul is helping them to understand that um, you don't withdraw from each other um, and you don't judge each other because, because all of your brothers and sisters belong to the Lord. And, and all your brothers and sisters are seeking to honor the Lord. And maybe they're, they're, um, they, they're, they're doing it in a way that you don't agree with. But if they, they stand before the Lord and, and God accepts them. And if God accepts them, then we, are, we must not reject them. It's a good word for today. But in the middle of that, then, is this truth, this, this core nugget of truth. That's the foundation, in a sense, of Paul's argument. Uh, that we belong to the Lord. Whether we live or whether we die, we belong to the Lord's. We are the Lord's. At the foundation of what we do as Christians, how we live as Christians, underneath that is who we are as Christians. We are the Lord's. We're the Lord's. That's a very profound thought. But yet it's, uh, it's something that we probably don't think about that often. We belong to the Lord. Uh, Paul has that, uh, it's, very, it's very prominent in his mind. When he greets the church in Rome, if you remember Romans chapter 1, verse 6, he says to those who are called to belong to Jesus. Called to belong to Jesus. That's who we are. That's what it means to be a Christian. And that truth, which lies at the center of our identity, is also the foundation of our comfort. The, uh, the Heidelberg Catechism, um, many of, most of you know, Heidelberg Catechism written back 15, oh, I'm not going to get the exact date, I'm, 1560, I'm taking a stab at it. Um, Olivianus and um, Ursinus uh, write up this summary of Christian truth, gospel truth, um, as the Reformation is, is unfolding and people are coming out of the Roman Catholic Church and um, coming to the, the, the Protestant faith, the uh, apostolic faith. And one of the issues on the table is, can you have assurance? Uh, the Roman Catholic Church encouraged people not to have assurance because um, if you doubted, uh, that would keep you coming back to the church. That would keep you coming back to get the grace that, was, that the church said they dispensed. Right? The church and the sacraments were dispensaries of grace. And, and so they, if you were doubting, that was a good thing. That would keep you coming back. And, because if you, if, if you were assured, uh, the Roman Catholic Church was convinced that you would become lazy. And uh, so, in fact, in the Council of Trent, the, uh, the, the church anathematizes the damnable doctrine of assurance. The idea that, um, that people can have confidence 
uh, in their salvation in Jesus Christ. Well, the, the Heidelberg Catechism begins with that issue. What is your only comfort, your confidence? What's your assurance? What's your security, your hope, the foundation of your, of your peace and joy in this world? What, what's, what's the foundation of that comfort and assurance? Ursinus, one of the authors, um, uh, wrote a commentary on the, the catechism and says, comfort is that which results from a process of reasoning in which we fix our minds on something good in the midst of that which is evil. So boys and girls, maybe uh, there's a thunderstorm and it's very loud and it's very scary, but you, uh, you comfort yourself uh, by running to mom and dad, or you comfort yourself by re remembering that you've heard thunder in the past, and though it's very loud and very scary, it doesn't really hurt you, and it'll soon be gone. And you lay hold of that truth. It'll soon be gone. It'll soon be gone. Well, um, Ursinus says, by a proper consideration of this good thing, we mitigate our grief and patiently endure the evil. But the good thing with which we oppose the evil must of necessity be very great and in proportion to the great evil we face. So the good thing, if we're going to really find comfort, the good thing we set against the evil thing, it has to be very great and in proportion to the great evil. Well, we have great evils that we face. We have the realities of a devil we have the reality of uh, Adam's fall into sin. We have the reality of our own fall into of our own sin and the, and the culpability of our sin. We have the reality of a holy God. We have the reality of death and hell. Those are very great realities, great evils in that sense, things that, we, um, that will challenge your comfort if you're paying attention. Most people, right, all, every one of us by nature, blinded in sin, seek to comfort ourselves by ignoring uh, those evils and hoping they go away. Well, that might work in life. It will not work in death. So what, was, what is the thing that will comfort us? What is the great good that will comfort us? And again, uh, people seek, this is the universal quest in some sense of mankind. The world calls it being happy. If you ask people, what do you, at bottom, what do you want? At bottom, what people want is comfort. They want to be happy. They want to have satisfaction. They want to have security and, and comfort. And people will look for that in a thousand different ways. Some people will look for it in their family. That if I, if I keep my family close, um, that will be my security. That will be my comfort, my identity. Uh, some people find it in their, in their work. Some people find it in shopping or a hobby or uh, in sin, right? Er erotic material or alcohol um, whatever it might be, um, we cannot help but look for a city. We cannot help but look for a place where we belong, a place that provides comfort. And the catechism, as Scripture does, makes very clear there's only one source of comfort. Right? There's only one name given under heaven by which we must be saved. There's only, there's only one place to go. There's only one rock. Only one refuge. Um, you're the question that the catechism asks isn't what is one of the sources of comfort in your life? What's the only one? What's the foundational one? What is the one comfort that if, if that is proven to be false, if that's proven not to be true, you have no comfort at all? And what is that, that thing that functions both in life and in death? And I think it's really critical to, to, to consider both of those things. 
Because we can, we can give ourselves quasi, uh, you know, a pseudo comfort in life. You just, you know, buy a bigger house or, or uh, go get new clothes or get a new job or get a new wife or uh, whatever. Right? You, can, you can do things that for a while seem to provide what you're looking for. But all of that comes to a screeching halt on your deathbed. When, or maybe even on deathbed, you, you can delude yourself. But, but uh, when you die, right, it's appointed under, unto every man once to die and then to face judgment. So the, the comfort that we need, the comfort that we're seeking, is the comfort that will actually work and function as comfort when you're standing in the presence of God. What is your comfort then? Well, the answer is I am not my own, but I belong to my faithful Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's a wonderful confession. It's a staggering confession. Uh, it flies in the face of the, um, well, the way the world thinks, the way that we think by nature. Right? We think by nature, we, we, we are precisely our very own, right? And uh, we want our things, and we want our way, and what we do with, right, the world is convinced, what I do with my life, my body, my time, my talents, uh, that is utterly my business and no one else's. The, 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 the whole uh, horror of abortion is based on the myth that, that a woman's body is her own and she has the right to do with her body whatever she pleases, even if that involves the death of another person in her womb. That's how complete we hold this, our world holds this, this doctrine. I am my own. But you see the paucity, the emptiness of such a doctrine, if you just put it in terms of relationship. Who are people who most fundamentally belong to themselves? What do we call those people? We call them orphans. They don't belong to anyone. No one. They don't have a family. They don't have brothers and sisters. They don't have a mom and a dad. They just belong to themselves. And what does every little boy and girl in an orphanage want? They want to belong. They want a family. They want to be identified as, as part of a, a, of a loving home where there's a, there's a mom who nurtures them and cares for them and loves them and a dad who protects them and teaches them how to play baseball. They want a family. They want brothers and sisters who will accept them and, and, and walk with them. They want to belong. And so the, the tragedy, you see, of, of the world's idea that, that I am my own, as soon, as soon as you put it in terms of relationships, it's, it's just, it's evidently empty, empty vanity. What a horrible thing to, to actually belong to you, just to you. Christian has something so much better to say. This bold declaration. Uh, it's a declaration of, of, of freedom and joy, delight. It's a story of, of our rescue from bondage to self and bondage to sin and bondage to the tyranny of the devil. I am not my own, but I belong, body and soul, in life and in death, to my faithful Savior Jesus Christ. So let's just think of the one to whom we, we belong. My, my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what Paul says in Romans 14. Whether we live or die, we are 
the Lord's. We're His, His possession. Uh, 1 Corinthians 3.23, you are Christ's, and Christ is God's. That is such a stunning thought. When you think of Jesus Christ, remember when we were going through the, uh, the, the sermon series uh, in Revelation and, and we came across the description, John looks and sees the one who is speaking and he's awesome. He's indescribably beautiful. Um, he's clearly the sovereign Lord and he's robed in refulgent beauty and, and, he's, and he's thoroughly righteous and holy and mighty and good. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one before whom one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, this is Jesus Christ the Lord. We belong to him. We belong to Jesus, whether we live or die. And, and it's a big thing to say, I belong to him. It's, 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 it's not just saying, I believe in him or I follow him. I hope you say those things. I hope... I hope those things are true. But it's another sort of thing to say, I belong to him. Why does that matter? Well, you see, because if, if I identify myself primarily as one who believes in Jesus, there are times when my faith in Jesus is, is pretty weak. My, my faith is shot through with unbelief, and I recognize it. And if I say that I follow Jesus, where well, there are times when I don't follow well at all. I'm prone to wander. But, but you see, my comfort then is secured when I, when I can say, but I belong to him. Even though my faith is weak and though I'm prone to wander, I'm not a very good follower, but, but the truth is, I belong to Jesus. He bought me. He purchased me with his own blood. 1 Corinthians 6.20, you were bought with a price. You are not your own. That is such good news. 1 Peter 1 verse 19, that we, Peter says that we've been ransomed with the precious blood of Christ. Paul talks about the church uh, in Acts chapter 20 as the church that, that was bought with the, with, the, with the precious blood of Jesus. The church that he bought with his own blood. We are not our own. We've been bought with blood to belong to Jesus. And the extent to which we belong, I belong body and soul in life and in death. And that's what Paul says, Romans 14, 8. If we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. Whether we live or whether we die, we're His. It's such a wonderfully comprehensive statement. It just means that there's no part of me, there's no part of you that's been left out of the redemptive purchase. When Jesus bought you, He bought the whole thing. There's not an atom of your being that doesn't belong to Jesus. Not a shred of anything that can be called you that doesn't belong to him. Everything you are in body and in soul, life and in death, it all belongs to Jesus. He bought it, he bought it all, you see, when he died for you. And he claimed it all when he was raised to life for you. And he will embrace it all in its perfected state when he comes for you. You belong to him, all of you. You're not your own. You belong to Jesus. And the certainty of this. Catechism says, Through my faithful Savior Jesus Christ, he has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood. 
He has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. He watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation. There is such an incredible, wonderful certainty in belonging to Jesus. It's, it's a certainty that's rooted, you can list several things in Scripture. Uh, it's a certainty, it's certain because of the covenant of redemption. If, if you've heard of the covenant of redemption, it's the covenant that um, theologians talk about where God and the, uh, the Father and the Son have a pact, an agreement, before the world begins, that Jesus is going to be a redeemer and mediator of men made in the image of God, fallen men. And the Father gives then, before the foundation of the world, gives people to Jesus, to belong to Jesus. And that pact is sealed then, that covenant is sealed between the Father and the Son. We are, it's a certainty because of the divine call, right? Um, Paul says that we've been called to belong to Jesus. When God the Father calls, it is certain. When he calls light to appear out of darkness, there's light. When he calls, uh, Jesus calls Lazarus out of the grave, Lazarus comes out of the grave. There's no option. When he calls a person to belong to Jesus, you belong to Jesus by the authority of God's own call. You belong to Jesus certainly by the act of redemption where he actually bore your sin on the cross, atoning for your sin on the cross so that that. Your sin is forgiven. It's gone. And you then um, belong to Christ by the purchase price of his blood. Uh, You belong to Jesus by divine oath. Where God has sworn in covenant to you. If you confess your sin, you belong belong to Jesus, right? You, um, You will certainly, right? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will certainly be saved. And, And God swears this oath in Christ to you. Uh, You belong certainly to Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit seals you to Jesus. So what can separate you from Jesus? Nothing can separate you from Jesus. Uh, We're going to talk next week, Lord willing, uh, as we're back in Galatians, about just the wonder of of union with Christ and and how foundational that is. I belong to Jesus most certainly by the promise and power of God, by the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Isn't it a wonderful thing to be able to say that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has taken ownership of me? If you own something, if you go buy a new car or buy a house, but whatever it might be, chances are you're going to care for it. But you won't care for it perfectly because, well, you get used to it and, and uh, you get busy. Uh, when Jesus buys, uh, purchases someone body and soul to belong to him, Jesus never gets careless. Jesus never loses interest. He saves to the uttermost. That, that all the love that brought Jesus to the cross Uh, All the love that he expressed while on that cross bearing your sin. Jesus loves you exactly with all that love today in everything he does in your life. It hasn't changed an iota. You belong to him. And having bought you with his own blood, he's not going to forget you. 
The transfer papers have been signed. You've been adopted into the family of God. An oath has been spoken by God himself who cannot lie. And so the truth is, if you are a Christian, if you've confessed your sin, if you've called on the name of the Lord to be saved, the fact is that you belong to Jesus. And he is a faithful Savior. Faithful not only to accomplish your salvation, but to apply it, to lead you through every trial, every turn of the road, all through life. Through all your sin, all your failure, all your unbelief, Jesus will be faithful. He completes the work that he begins. It is not an easy thing, friends, to be saved. It's not easy. Uh, The world, the flesh, and the devil are um, constantly raising obstacles. In our own hearts, uh, the the devil is constantly setting deadly traps. The heartaches and uh, trials of life can threaten to overwhelm our faith. Um, uh, There are so many temptations to false teaching, temptations to to serve other gods, to just turn away to idols. But because you belong to Jesus, you can have the confidence... That Jesus will be your comfort, not only in life, but also in death. That Jesus will hold you fast. And that when you stand, as you will stand, and I will stand, before the judgment throne of God. When we, when we see God and face the judgment, this can be our comfort. I'm not my own. I belong to Jesus. I'm with him. And everything that belongs to me has been purchased by him. And all the sin that has accrued to my, my account because of my weakness and foolishness and my, my, my sinfulness, it's all been taken care of, all been washed away, all atoned for by his blood. Everything that I am, everything I, I, I know, everything that belongs to me is, belongs to Jesus. And everything that then belongs to Jesus belongs to me. His righteousness is mine. His destiny is mine. His glory is mine. I am not my own, but I belong to Jesus. Friends, I'd encourage you to take that truth into your real life tomorrow as you go back to uh, whatever the Lord has called you to do. Wear it as a a, a badge of, uh, as sort of the the banner over your life. Uh, I belong to Jesus. I'm His. He's mine. Everything that belongs to Jesus belongs to me. And everything I face today, everything I face this week comes to me from his loving hands. He's going to be with me. He's my comfort. He's my security. He's my hope in this life. And he's my comfort and he's my security and he's my hope in death. I am not my own. May God grant it. Amen. God in heaven, I thank you for this simple but profound thought that we're not our own. Lord God, we live as though we're our own and we think about what we want and what we, uh, what we miss and what we uh, need and what we feel. But Lord, we so seldom think of whose we are. And, uh, and Jesus, it's critical that we do. For whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. We've been called to belong to Jesus. And Lord, I pray that that thought would purify our hearts that we'd realize our bodies are not our own, our mind is not our own, our money is not our own, our possessions are not our own, our passions and desires, Lord, it all belongs to Jesus. 
for we've been purchased by his blood. And that this would be our glory in life, that we belong to him. And that everything that belongs to Christ is ours. In his glory, his, his purity, we should be robed. We are already robed in his righteousness. And one day we shall be like him when we see him as he is. His, his, uh, his destiny is, is, is ours as we are promised to walk with him in a new heaven and a new earth, a home of righteousness. His protection and power is ours in this life and in death. Nothing can harm us. Nothing can separate us from his love. And his love and care and mercy and compassion is ours. Lord, I just pray that that would change how we do life, change what we think about, what we, what we hope and pray for, what we put our confidence in that we'd be increasingly people who intentionally live for Jesus because we belong to him. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing that hymn of comfort and assurance. When I fear my faith will fail, Jesus Christ will hold me fast. Let's stand together and sing.